Good morning, New Life Manitou. Would you stand with me? We are going to worship the Lord this morning for all the great things that he has done. Amen. Let's go.
breaks every chain, Lord Jesus. We sing of that today. We sing out your name, the name above all names, Jesus, Jesus.
hearts to the Lord. Let's lift up our hearts and say, God, you are worthy. We're not just singing these words. We are believing them and confessing them to you, Lord, that you are worthy. And day and night, night and day, this metaphor of lifting up our lives, lifting up our worship as incense rises through the days, through the months, through the valleys, over the mountains of our lives, Lord, we give our praise to you. Lord, in this moment, we say you are worthy of it all, and we praise your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, church, I'm a pastor here, Pastor Joe. So good to see all of you. I uh, will tell you a quick encouraging story and then compare it with the church. But uh, the beginning of this year, I have uh, four little boys. Uh, one of them's in middle school. Hi, Jay. I won't embarrass you with this story. Don't worry. Um, he started, he played soccer this year as a middle schooler, first time playing public middle school soccer. And uh, the coach, there's an app, all you parents already know this, there's, there's like apps that coaches use to kind of get the communication lines going. And the coach said, hey, every year, it takes a long time for all the parents to kind of meet each other and for the parents to be supportive as a group of the kids and know which kids are whose and stuff like that. So the coach said, I think it would be cool if we did a like a preseason potluck. And what do you guys think? This is like on a text feed with, with people that we don't even know yet because the season hasn't started. And it, it was just really encouraging to see other parents jump in. Oh yeah, let's do that. The school will be closed, but I'll bring the tables. I'll bring the water. Someone's like, I'm from the South. I could do barbecue. I'll bring barbecue. And somebody else, a local owner of a Manitou restaurant said, oh, we'll, we'll bring a whole bunch of sandwiches. And, and it, it turned out we, we had this potluck before the season started for the Manitou middle school boys soccer team. And all the parents got to meet each other. And I just thought that was, that was cool. That was people jumping in and ready to serve at the, at the idea of of the coach's vision for us being connected. And I just thought as a pastor, that kind of stuff happens all the time in church where we will have a vision as a church to reach, to make disciples, to, to cover the Pikes Peak region with the gospel, the love of Jesus. I think about a couple weeks ago was Vision Sunday. And as your pastor, uh, I shared with you our vision for 2024. You can go back and watch that message. It's on YouTube and, and Facebook and our website even. And I talked about this building. I talked about being the presence of God in this city. I talked about being welcome I talked about the next generation of our kids and kids ministry and our students and our middle school students, high school students. And I've just seen over the last month, some of you really jumping in, diving in. I'll say, you need this? What, what do you need? Tell me, tell me more specific. Do you need help with kids or do you need help with middle school? I could do this. I would love to do this. The opportunities. And it's beautiful to see not just a group of parents, you know, making a community for a middle school boys soccer team, but a group of believers coming together for the kingdom of God. Amen. And so this church, you know, some of the, the needs we have for 2024 are financial needs. We have a screen here that says different ways to give. I see a lot of new faces today. That's always wonderful. You can give online. There's a box in the back. There's a QR code on your seats. And what we would love is the vision of God's kingdom coming to earth in Manitou Springs for the good of the city. There's this phrase we say, in the city for the sake of the city. 
And there's opportunities. There's gonna be a lot more opportunities this year to advance the gospel, our men's ministry, our women's ministry, kids' ministries. We have an incredible church that seeks to glorify God, amen? Let me pray over this offering moment. Lord, it's all yours. Lord, we began this moment singing, you are worthy of it all. Lord, we say it's all yours. Lord, we are excited to invest in your kingdom. We're excited to invest in what you are doing in this city. Lord, may you increase it. Lord, may you do with it what you want to do. Lord, may you and you alone receive all the glory, all the praise. We pray to you right now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Day and night, Lord, we lift up our prayers. Sing day and night, night and day, they incense to us. Day and night, night and day, they incense to us. Day and night, night and day. friends, thank you. Thank you for gathering. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Your worship is so wonderful to be a part of. Um, kiddos, you guys can be dismissed. Uh, friends, if you are new here, I do see some, some new faces. We actually have some visitor cards. We'd love for you to fill that out. We have a special gift for you. Um, Joe also will contact you sometime this week to say hey, to meet you guys. 
And um, do us a favor, just say hi to somebody, somebody new, somebody you know, give a hug. And Joe will be back here in just a few minutes with the, uh, the word. Well, welcome everybody. Praise the Lord. Hey, anybody out there? Praise the Lord. All right. Wow, you are out there. Okay. Amen. Um, I feel like this is the last Sunday of uh, January, the last Sunday to say Happy New Year. It's still part kind of, can you still say that at this point? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what a great Sunday. I just wanted to thank the Lord for the worship. Everybody up here, volunteers, Scott and Laura, can we thank the Lord for our worship team? That was incredible. Uh, God's presence is here. Uh, kids are downstairs learning about the gospel. We're going to open up the word of God today to the book of John. So if you brought uh, your phone and Bible app, or if you brought a Bible, paper Bible, turn to the book of John chapter two. I want to say hi to a couple people watching online. If you guys could zoom out and just wave to the camera back there. My mom and dad are watching online, uh, not feeling that well today. And then Tom and Karen, who normally sit here, uh, Karen uh, fell on the ice last Sunday, hurt her leg powered through, came to church, and then went to the hospital. And they said, yeah, it's pretty swollen. You shouldn't have gone to church. So they are sitting this one out. But I just want to say, uh, what a resource it is that we have for those people that can't make it to church to watch online. We would love for you to be here in this room worshiping with us, but that's a tool uh, that I just want to thank the Lord for. Um, this week has been awesome for my wife and I. We got to go on a couple's marriage retreat with some friends of ours that we've known for a decade or more. And it it was just an intentional time. So it was just our friends, um, but we had sessions where we talked about parenting, finances, 
uh, communication, uh, career, calling. And I was just encouraged, like, let's use this time when we get together with friends, with colleagues to say, hey, let's have appointed time to talk about serious, more in-depth things. And we are just all better for it. So it was a great week. We're back now. Um, this week, uh, I think it's important in, in a church to have various uh, voices preaching, opening up the scripture to us. And so this morning, we do have a guest speaker, Josh Dillon, who's here. He has spoke one other time, but he comes every once in a while to do the offering moments and to be with us. He is the college and young adults pastor at uh, New Life North. So a conglomeration of all of our congregations. Young adults meet on Tuesday nights up at New Life North. And it's a service for, I guess, college and 20-somethings. And that's the job that I used to have before we launched New Life Manitou. I oversaw that ministry. And it was an incredible time. And I just think about like, wow, the church really, that's like right at the tip of the next generation. Young people in their 20s. And I just remember... In my own life, that was such a pivotal time, and I was pastored and shepherded by an incredible uh, leadership team and a mentorship and a pastor. And so I think New Life Church, all the congregations together, we have such a gift with Josh. And so um, I'm going to welcome him, and would you give him a warm New Life Manitou welcome to Josh Dillon. Come on up here. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you. So good to be with you guys again. Hello, hello from, from the north. <laughs> Just getting myself situated here. Man, y'all, what a, uh, what a gift to get to be with you guys again. Even I was, I was reflecting on uh, what Joe just said, right, of how uh, New Life has a history of ministering to the young adults in our community, in our city. Uh, but I wanted to come even just first before we open the word of God together and just share some good news with you guys. I think sometimes when we uh, are a part of a congregation or a part of what God is doing in one particular city, um, it can be encouraging to hear what he's doing elsewhere. And even just say that God is, uh, is moving in the young adults' generation, in Gen Z, right? People in their late teens, uh, through their 20s. He's raising up a group of people, of young people, who are fully committed to King Jesus and whose hearts are fully loyal to him. I think I see some of them here, the, uh, the YWAM squad. <laughs> Let's go. I think I have to have to welcome you. You take up like three rows. That's awesome, um, man, y'all. Uh, as I was in worship, I just have such a deep sense that the Lord wants to um, reveal Himself to us this morning. Um, there are so many moments in Scripture, right? In, in like in First John, John is writing, and he'll say, um, "When we behold Him as He is, we'll see Him, and when, then when we see Him, we'll become." like him. Um, Moses has this cry, right, in the book of Exodus, he says, show me your glory. We see this, uh, this heart cry in the people of God to see God and to reveal God. And then when we do see God, it somehow does something inside of us. And so even before we jump into the word, would you just join me in some prayer? Yeah. Um, I want to ask that God would reveal himself to us. Because when we see Jesus for who he is, it reorients everything else going on. It reorients our lives to truth. And so we ask Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would reveal King Jesus this morning. Jesus, I ask that you would be revealed. Lord, that you would be uncovered, that we would see you for who you are. We wanna see your face, Jesus. We wanna see your face, Jesus. 
And so, Holy Spirit, you are the one who reveals the Son to us. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would reveal the Son to us today. We want to see your face. We want to know you for who you are. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, everyone said amen. Amen and amen. Um, Every time I come to Manitou, it gets me reflecting on like different parts of my, my past. It's kind of like mountainy here, right? And it's kind of like, like I, I see the, uh, the incline and I remember just like being a middle schooler and absolutely despising every single step up. It just, it just brings you back. But there's this one moment that I was thinking about as I was driving. Um, I was a little bit older than middle school, but I was hiking uh, this, this 14er, right? And you kind of get up above treeline. How many of y'all have hiked 14ers in the room? There we go. We're in Manitou. Come on, y'all. Um, and when you get up there, and there's this, there's this moment that I remember, when you get up above treeline and you kind of look out over like the, the panorama in front of you, right? This particular hike, I was doing Mount Harvard, and so there's all these different like collegiate peaks, this massive bulb, and I remember being there, looking at it, and just the, the revelation slowly dawning on me that as I looked, I could not grasp everything that I was beholding. It was a moment that... Um, where, where in beholding something, I realized even my own sense of like, like smallness in the context of creation and the universe and this, this thing that's around me. Um, have you ever experienced something that's, that's so vast and other um, that in comparison to it, it just like situated you in your smallness? Like in that mountain. I think about another moment, right? Um, my wife and I have a two-year-old daughter and the moment she was born, Right, that day, um, some people say it's like incredibly joyful. It was very joyful, but it was exhausting. Right, I get to the end of this day, and I'm like, I am f- freaking spent, like just done. I'm just done. And I remember this moment, right, I'm holding, so I have, I have Eden, our, our daughter, and I bring her over to Ellie for the first time. Right, in this moment when, when Ellie gets to meet Eden, and she's there on her chest, and I'm just there, I remember feeling almost the exact same way. Right, this moment where like I'm realizing that what I'm beholding is bigger than the moment that I'm actually in. It's revealing something about the world, about um, Ellie's nature, Eden's nature, and I feel very small in that moment. If you look at the biblical narrative, these are uh, what I call moments of glory. Moments, right, where um, the, uh, the, the physical human experience that you're in is all of a sudden inhabited with a revealed sense of purpose and otherness and beauty. And this morning, we're gonna be talking about about glory. We're gonna be looking in the Gospel of John and John chapter two. Um, But there's a um, a moment here where where God wants to reveal his glory to us. And even when I say this word glory, right, some of you might have different ideas in your mind, different pictures and images, right? You might think about like the Olympic athlete who just ran that marathon and throws their arms up over their heads as they cross the finish line. Or maybe some of you think of glory in a negative sense, Right? We, we are taught in the church that we, we embrace humility. Right, We're not supposed to push for our own gain. Right? You might think about a trophy. But the idea of glory in the biblical term and context, if you read the Bible for any length of time, you're going you're gonna to come across the word. And really, it, it means uh, two, two main things. I want to throw up even some words for us. It, the word for glory is the word kavod in Hebrew or the word doxa in Greek. And it has this sense of, of weight, of glory, of splendor, of fame, but really what we see in these words is a, is a revealing of something true. 
is glory is glorious because it reveals something that's going on behind the scenes, but now you're experiencing it in the real moment, right? You look at like scripture, even Moses, like we're talking about, he says, God, show me your glory. He doesn't want God to just stand up there and brag at him, but what he's asking is for an experience with God's identity. He says, God, show me who you are, right? The psalmist in Psalm 29 talks about the voice of the Lord being powerful and majestic. He says, and all in his temple cry, glory. It's a moment where we experience a part of God that is being revealed to us. I wanna give you a definition of glory. It's the weight of revealed identity. Glory is the weight of revealed identity. When we look at the scriptures, especially in the gospels, their main heart is to reveal the identity of God to us. The goal of the gospel writers is to teach us something about Jesus and who he is, and to show us himself. And so if you have your scriptures, your Bible, let's go ahead and open to John chapter two. We're gonna read a portion of the text from verse one through 11, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us today. This is uh, chapter two, verse one. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him, manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, this is a story that many of us who are around the church context are familiar with, right? Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John, a moment where he turns water into wine. He's at this wedding, right? And some of us are like, okay, we know this story, but what's actually happening? And it might have some, um, some senses of even confusion, like, wait a second. Like, did Jesus just show up at a wedding and literally make 180 gallons of wine? Like, yes. Yeah, that's, yes, that's what happened, right? Did he come into this ordinary moment and see this, uh, this crisis going on, right? This moment where the wine ran out, right? Okay, how many of you guys have ever had the experience of asking somebody out to lunch and then you forget your wallet or your credit card? <laughs> right, this is a moment of like deep-seated like anxiety where you're like, you, you offered to buy, but then you're like, hey, can you get me this time? Okay, now take that emotion and I want you to picture uh, it being a $10,000 catering order instead. Okay, this is sort of what's going on here, right? Jesus is walking into this moment of crisis for a family, and he steps in with his identity and with who he is and his power, and he gives them this miraculous gift into their real lives and into their real moment. And I love here at the end, in verse 11, right? It's like John, he just like gets our attention and says, pay attention. He says, this, the first of his signs, he did, and he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Now, I uh, have another even example here. Sam Storms says, glory is the external elegance of the internal excellencies 
of God. And so when we read this passage, the question that's in our heart should be, what is this revealing to us about Jesus? What is this revealing to us about the identity of God? If it reveals his glory, then it reveals something about the weight and the power of who King Jesus is. And so this morning, what I want us to do, I wanna even point out three different things that I see in this text that are uh, revelations of the glory of God. This very first thing that I think we see in this text is that the glory of God is revealed in the holy every day. The glory of God is revealed in the holy every day. Just one chapter before in John chapter one, we see um, uh, John uses this phrase, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. There's a moment here where Jesus, the king of heaven, the king of glory, he takes on flesh and he inhabits our real world and our true moments. What I want us to see here, right, this is a, a Jewish wedding. This is a festival that went on for like a week at a time, right? And if it, was, uh, it was a celebration, right? But for any of us who are in like their 20s and 30s, we know that weddings are a common part of everyday life, right? There's like a season like, like call it like wedding season. Y'all, like I had a friend who got, like went to like 10 weddings over the course of a summer, right? This is a part of an everyday human experience. And we see Jesus fully present in this moment. Um, how many of you guys have noticed this thing? I, th I think sometimes... Um, we as Christians uh, just need to like laugh at ourselves and notice our little unique mannerisms that we'll do. Um, how many of you guys have noticed that, that prayer voice is a different thing than real voice? <laughs> right, you have prayer voice and then you have real voice. And I, like, like I do this all the time, but you're like, you're like you're talking and you're just like having a normal conversation. And in the moment everyone's eyes close, you go, oh Lord, Father, would you do this and that and Abba and God and Father, right? And you, you like you shift this gear into like now we're, now we're praying, right? We were in like normal, normal, regular, everyday gear, but now we're in, we're in spiritual gear, right? We're in like semi-somber, take a moment, we're here. We're here in this spiritual moment kind of gear. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? To recognize that different moments require different things of us. But how many of us um, treat the rest of our lives in a similar sense? That we have a regular everyday gear and then we reserve our quote-unquote spiritual gear for quote-unquote spiritual moments. I think this text reveals that there's not a single moment of your life or of my life that God can't inhabit with his presence and with his glory and with his goodness. I think about just like the everyday things that Jesus did outside of this text, right? Like you realize that Jesus got up in the morning and prepared himself for the day. That like he did his Jewish like morning ritual, right? Like do, uh, putting oil on his head and getting ready for the day. And that because he's the word of God made flesh, that him getting ready for the day was a moment inhabited with the glory of God, right? Do you realize that he, in this moment, that he left this wedding and he probably had some conversations with his mother and with his family. The next verse says that he went with his mother and his disciples down to um, Capernaum. So he's getting, he's just having everyday conversation. You realize that the moment where he's traveling is a moment that's inhabited with the glory of God. Every moment in the kingdom of God has the potential to host the glory of God because of who Jesus is. I'd say it this way, that the mundanity of all of human experience is pregnant with the glory of God. 
I think about um, every week in Jewish families. There's a rhythm for them where they will work for six days and then they'll rest for one day. We're familiar with this rhythm. It's called Sabbath, Shabbat. And every week, the, uh, a Jewish family will celebrate uh, or kick off this like 24 hours of rest with, um, with a meal. And they'll sit down at the table with their children and with their family, with their spouse, and they'll open uh, or they'll, they'll, they'll cook really good food and they'll have really good bread fresh out of the oven, right? That's still like crackly on the loaf kind of bread. And they'll open a really good bottle of wine and they'll set it there on the table. And then they'll sit there in that moment. And as they're just embracing the gifts that are around them, they'll start to do this prayer and they'll do it every week. And they'll say, blessed are you, Lord our God, creator of the universe who brought out the bread from the ground for us to eat, right? Who brought forth the fruit of the vine. And they'll start blessing one another going back and forth. I think this is a moment for us. We can get so busy and so segregated in our lives that we forget to just take a breath and see the potential of the glory of God all, over, all around us. And it's almost like I think sometimes we do this thing where we, we put extra priority upon the aspects of our life that feel more spiritual, right? We say that those are more important than others. I was a teacher for a little while, a handful of years, um, and there were things that I loved about teaching, and there were things that were really challenging about teaching. And so for me and for like my personality, like I loved, like I loved meeting with the students, right? It's like you get to see these kids every single day, and so you see them on their good days, and you see them on their bad days, and their bad hair days, and their insecure days. You're just with them all the time, and it's so awesome. And there were like awesome moments, right, where some kids, they just would open up to you. They would just sit down, and you're just, they're just like locked in. You're like, yes, like they're just like, they're, they're sharing their story. You get to be that safe voice for them. Those are the parts about teaching that I loved. But then that same kid would have to write like a five-page paper and he might try to like cheat a little bit and like copy somebody else's work. And then I would have to be the person to be like, hey, you cheated or I have to grade this thing. That's the part of teaching that I hated, right? And I think sometimes we can like, we can have these parts of our lives that we love and are like, this is the good stuff. And then these other parts of our lives that we maybe are like, this is just the stuff that has to happen. I think this text invites us to see God's presence in the parts of our lives that we would rather just consign to the everyday. So what I wanna invite us into even in this is, is where is God meeting you in your everyday life that you're maybe not slowing down to see? There are parts of your life that God wants to inhabit with his presence and with his glory and make meaningful if you just invite him in, if you just allow him to come in and to take a step into that moment. The glory of God is revealed in the holiness of every day because of who Jesus is. The second thing that I think this text reveals to us is that the glory of God is revealed in the restoration of creation. The glory of God is revealed in the restoration of creation. Can you remember the moment in your life when you, uh, you realized that the world wasn't quite what you hoped it would be? That it wasn't quite, didn't work like quite the way that you hoped that it would be? I remember for me, um, when I was young, I loved Applebee's, <laughs> y'all. Like I loved like, I loved Applebee's. Like, it was excessive at times, right? Like, every Friday night, my parents would be like, hey, where are we going tonight? Let's, let's do a little family gathering. I'd be like, Applebee's, Applebee's. I don't even remember what I ate that. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I left, but I, I was obsessed with Applebee's. And as time went on, right, it's like you grow, and 
Applebee's becomes less of a thing in your eyes, but like it always held this cherished place of childhood nostalgia. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that food that if you ate it today, you'd be like, this is disgusting. But as a child, you're like, this is amazing, right? This is everything. And I remember I was in high school and I was talking to some friends about Applebee's and they were like, like hey, like, like, what did you, like what did you enjoy about it as a kid? I'm like, oh, like there's strawberry lemonade, right? You just sit and the, like the, the squeakiness of those like fake leather boots, like I just loved it. I just loved it. And then my friend looked at me and says, you know how they make their food, right? And I just like stopped. And I had that sinking feeling of like, like um, a, a beloved childhood memory is about to be unmasked. <laughs> but you're like, all right. And I'm like, I'm in for it. Like, tell me, how do they make their food? And he looked at me and he said, like, you know, they don't actually have real ovens. Like, they just have a bunch of microwaves in the back. And they take frozen food and they just, they just cook it. And I felt my childhood dreams crumble. <laughs> and I walked out and I said, the world will never be the same again. Right, Applebee's will never have the place that it had. I actually don't know if that's true about Applebee's. I've never been to their kitchen, but it had the same result. Um, obviously, this is a kind of a funny example, right? But, um, but how many of us can remember a time when, when the way that we thought the world worked or looked proved to be not how it, it works um, or looks? Right, maybe uh, somebody who um, was supposed to be a caring or loving uh, parent or friend uh, lets you down. Maybe you were just disappointed, right, by you had high hopes for an opportunity, for a job, or for a different season of your life, um, and, and those kind of came crashing down. Maybe someone in your family or you, maybe you got sick, right, and you're walking through uh, the pain of that moment. Maybe you lost someone. Um, this is the kind of thing that, uh, that John Steinbeck in his, his book, East of Eden, he calls it, it's an aching kind of growing. Right? It's a part of our lives where we, we come full of hope and then we, we see that, that the world is not the way that it's supposed to be. The beauty of the Gospels and really the beauty of Jesus and the way that he relates with people in the world that, that he's in is every one of his miracle stories, right? We can, we can look at Jesus' miracles, moments where he, like, he, he touches a leper and heals him, moments where he multiplies bread and feeds a crowd of 5,000. And those are like cool moments in their own. But if we kind of zoom out, we can say, what is Jesus doing? Each and every one of Jesus' miracles is Jesus fixing the world around him. Is Jesus taking a part of the world that's broken, that's hurting, right, where the world is not as it's supposed to be? And if you believe that Jesus is the end of the story, that the world is not as it's going to be, and he steps in with his power and he puts it right and says, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is what it looks like when God's kingdom comes to earth. There is no sickness there is no lack. There is no want. And so in this story, in this narrative, I think we, we see not just Jesus do a cool party trick and drop a bunch of wine on a wedding, but what we see is actually Jesus resetting the world back to the way that it was designed to be and the way that it's going to be in the future. And so I want to point out three things, even just about the way Jesus is fixing the world. God's kingdom in John 2 is first and foremost, it's generous. It's abundant. <laughs> It's excessively, ridiculously, over-the-top generous. Like, if you look at this, there's a moment where there is, there is a moment of lack in these people's lives and stories. And Jesus comes, and he doesn't just give them, like, enough wine to get through the festival. Like, he gives them 180 gallons of wine. Like, this is, this is enough wine to, like, keep the whole village going for months, right? It's not just in this moment. The kingdom of God is generous, and so even what do we see in this? Some of us, um, 
Maybe you have wrestled with a sense of lack over your last handful of years and in your life, right? The way that you have experienced the world is that there is not enough to go around, and if you need to get ahead, you're gonna throw some elbows, and you're gonna climb on some other people, and you're gonna get what you need no matter what. The way that the kingdom of God works is that in God's good kingdom, there's more than enough for everyone. And we as kingdom people get to live into this reality. Second, the kingdom of God is kind. I think about these people in this moment, right? They're on the brink of humiliation. We talked about it just a little bit before, right? This is a moment where Jesus was not required to step in. And in fact, he was even a little resistant at first, right? He said, this is, this is not my hour. My hour hasn't come yet. What motivates him to step into this moment? I believe it's the kindness and the love of Jesus for the person right in front of him. Some of you have walked into this room and you feel like the predominant motive or the way that God relates with you is either in disappointment for not doing enough or in some kind of like distance, low-level simmering anger. Let me say that this text reveals to us this morning that the kingdom of God is kind and that Jesus sees you and that Jesus loves you, and his dominant emotion towards you is kindness this morning. And lastly, we see the kingdom of God is humble. One of the things I love about this text is that Jesus doesn't stand up there. Like when the, when the master of the feast raises the glass, and he says, most save the good wine until the end, but you've, you've waited until now, or at the beginning, but you waited until now. Jesus doesn't stand up there and say, you're right, that's the best wine in the world, right? And even goes so far as to say that the servants drew the wine out. It says, nobody else knew where it came from, but the servants knew where the, wine, where the wine came from. In God's kingdom, the way, the, the economy of God's kingdom is not built upon external affirmation, but it's built upon a humble, loving kindness. We see Jesus embrace humility. And I think when we see this, we just see that the king is revealed in his kingdom. The king is revealed in his kingdom. We see the glory of Jesus, who is both generous and kind and humble revealed here. You guys, like, I think sometimes we, we might miss the beautiful gravity of a moment like this. That it's like Jesus, Jesus, the, the king of the world who crafted you and me, is kind and he's humble and he's generous and he wants to give us good gifts. Like, if we sit and if we allow these truths to come and to saturate our hearts, we will see the glory of God. The glory of God is revealed in the kingdom of God. Which I think brings us to this last point here this morning, is that the glory of God is revealed in the redemption of humanity. It's revealed in the redemption of humanity. Now, I'm, I'm kind of like a, uh, I'm like a, Bible nerd a little bit, right? And there are certain like things that we can read the biblical text and understand and see in them. Um, and a couple things is that whenever something is the very first in a gospel or in the Bible, just kind of take note of it, right? It makes it a little bit more important, especially when they tell you it's the first, right? So John says, okay, this is the first of his miracles. Second is that um, when something is the first and when something is highlighted, it, it does something called foreshadowing and it becomes kind of a little mini picture of all of the other things that Jesus is going to do. So what we see in this moment is kind of a foreshadowing ahead into Jesus's, uh, the rest of Jesus' ministry. Okay, so take that. I'm just giving us some tools here. Second is that the biblical writers, they love to use things called themes. So if you're reading, if you're reading the biblical text and you're like, oh, there's water, 
And there's purity and this, this idea of life. And then you go to the next chapter, or the next two chapters in John chapter three and John chapter four, right? And you see Jesus talking to the woman at the well and he says, drink the water of life, right? Living water is here. And then if you keep on going, you get to John chapter seven, right? And you read that he says, if anyone believes in me out of their bellies will flow streams of living water. And then you kind of track forward and then you see Jesus strung up on a cross and he's pierced and out of his side flow blood and water, then at that point you take note and you say, okay, what, is that, what actually is happening here? This is important. What we see in this text is that Jesus takes these six stone water jars. Okay, these things were massive, huge, and they were a part of a system, right, the Jewish system of ritual washings and cleansings that was God's gift to his people to come close to him, right? There was a process where they would purify themselves and come close, they would wash and they would come close. And it was, this, uh, it was a good gift to God's people for the period that it was before Jesus. And we see Jesus take this good gift and we see him pour all of heaven's life into it, right? And transform it into something else. Takes this, this system that was, I'd say it even, it, even, um, it embodies 2,000 years of longing of God's people to be with him, to be with God. And Jesus just, fills it with heaven's power and he transforms it and he renews it and restores it. And then if you take that and you track it through the rest of the gospel and you see this moment where it says, out of your bellies will flow streams of living water and then water comes from Jesus himself. I think what we see is that the location of God's miracle to invite us into connection with him is no longer taking place in these stone water jars, but is taking place inside of the sanctuary of the human heart that the work of King Jesus to bring us back to him takes place in the restoration of the kingdom of God within us. There's an invitation for you, like the stone water jars, to become the setting of a transformative miracle. And this is the glory of God, friends. It's the glory of God to redeem and to renew and to restore. I came in this morning, um, honestly, just kind of like buzzing with some stories have you ever had this happen where you're like talking to somebody and you hear what God is doing and you're like, oh my gosh, God is real, right? Like, like I just get hit with it every now and again. There was a young man um, at Young Adults the other week and I, I didn't ask his permission to tell the story, so I'm not gonna tell you his name, but we were, we were talking and this young man has been coming to Young Adults um, consistently over the last like three, four months. And he showed up and the very first time he showed up, he's kind of that guy, like I saw him out of the corner of my eye and I was like, oh man, that guy's got some stuff going on. Um, but I'm like, I love that you're here. Like, this is the spot for you, right? God's house. And I kind of start talking to him and I start hearing more and more of his story. And he's coming out of a really painful, um, painful last couple of years, right? Just, uh, just different things in his home um, and uh, some really, really intense addiction to some different substances. And he's coming out and he says, he says Josh, I wanna, I wanna love God with my whole self and my whole body. And so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna go back to these substances, I'm like, yes, okay, like let's, like, let's work through this together. Like, let's pray, like, let's see what God does. And you guys, it's been the most beautiful, kind of crazy thing, is that week after week, his demeanor has changed and shifted. And then last week, he told me this story. He said, Josh, when I showed up here, I had this story in my head, this narrative. He says, I was gonna live hard, I was gonna die young. He says, in the last I had this picture in my head of the last breath coming out of my mouth being one just of smoke, just spitting it out, right, in, in like, like one last act of defiance. And he says, but now, he's like, I, I find myself 
wanting to live for more, or I find myself feeling joy and peace, even though I don't understand everything, and I'm still wrestling through this, that, that God is, is moving in my life. And, and this is one of those moments that, like, if you just hear somebody say that, you're like, cool, like, that's great, but, yo, I've watched it. I've watched God resurrect this young man back to life. Another young man um, <laughs> tried to come to young adults on Tuesday. He, like, couldn't figure out a ride, but then he ends up walking in kind of last minute, and the Holy Spirit touches this man, and he comes and gives his life to Jesus right after service. The kingdom of God is advancing in the restoration of the human heart. King Jesus is on the move. He is alive, friends. And I think for us, there's an invitation. We come from a lot of different backgrounds. I think it's probably safe to say that, that a lot of us have been around church for a little while. Not all of us have been around church for very long. If you are, if you are here in this room, um, you need to hear, regardless of how long you have been with King Jesus, is that it is the glory of God to bring about the kingdom of God inside of your heart. Whether that's in an initial act of salvation, and if you're putting your trust in Jesus for the first time, or whether, honestly, y'all, it's in sin struggles that you've had, right, in journeys where you've been wrestling with God, right? God wants to redeem and restore and put you back together. I didn't invite the band to come up at this point. When we see the glory of God, right, because that's what this is about. We said at the beginning that glory is the weight of revealed identity. It's just seeing Jesus for who he is. I wanna read this last verse, in verse 11 again. It says, this is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and pay attention to this here, and his disciples believed in him. And his disciples believed in him. There is only one response to beholding the glory of God, and that is belief. It's trust. The only right response to glory is belief. And I think, let me just make it practical. We can sometimes, we can spiritualize this word belief. Here's what it means, put it up here. Belief is trust. So if you are here this morning and you have never put your trust in King Jesus, and you're seeing him and you're like, wow, I didn't realize that God was kind. I actually didn't realize that he was generous, that he actually wants to meet me. Then the invitation for you is to keep getting to know Jesus, to see him clearly, to see him for who he is. Because when we see him for who he is, you'll realize that he's actually much better than you think he is. He's actually really, really kind. That he wants to pull you up out of the muck and out of the mire and out of the ashes and set you your feet with princes. So the invitation for you, if you don't put your trust in Jesus, is to believe. But then for those of us who put our trust in Jesus, I think the invitation for us is to trust him with that part of your heart that feels unfinished, or that part of your life that feels unsettled, right? That part of your, uh, of your, your daily life that feels like, oh, this isn't actually how the world is supposed to work. Whether that's a sin struggle that you're going through, whether that's a financial burden that you're going through, whether that's a health burden that you're going through, there is an invitation to trust Jesus today. I wanna invite you to stand your feet with me.
I wanna pray for us here. Um, just before we move on into communion, I, w- I wanna just pray for us here. What I want you to do is even close your eyes um, and bring to your mind and to your heart that thing that feels unsettled in your life. Just call it up to your mind. And then I want you to, as best as you can, give it to Jesus and tell him that you trust him with it. I wanna pray for us and lead us, but this is a moment of of, of exchange for us where we take the things that we're wrestling with, we give them to Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, in the revelation of Jesus, as we have seen his glory, as we see his glory in this text, Lord, I pray that you would stir up belief in us, that you'd stir up trust in us. Lord, that these weights and burdens we find ourselves carrying, the parts of our lives that are not as they should be, Jesus, we them to you. We entrust them into your hands because you are faithful. You are faithful. We give them to you, Jesus. And not just faithful, you're kind. So Lord, I pray that as my friends, as we're entrusting our lives to you again, I pray that you remove burdens from us. Lift them up in the name of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to receive communion as a congregation. This is something we do every week, and you don't need to be a member of this congregation. You've just needed to put your faith and hope in Jesus, and you can receive his gift. So I'm going to ask the communion servers to come down. As they're coming down, I'll just explain that, like Josh did, this miracle of being an empty vessel, a vessel just filled with water, and allowing the miracle inside your own life, the miracle inside of these vessels to brim, to overflowing with the gift of God inside of you. That we, when we receive this cup and we receive the bread, it's like Jesus being made new in our lives all over again. The grace of God coming into our lives all over again. Psalm 51 says, ask for forgiveness, receive his cleansing, and you will be made whiter than snow. So as we pray, we're gonna come down. Would you receive the elements? The communion servers will say, Christ's body and blood for you. Would you receive it and just go back to where you're standing? Would you hold it there? I'll come back up and we'll all receive it in unison after the band leads us in this last song. But God, we come before you now. We declare that these are the gifts of God for the people of God, that this is the body of Christ for the body of Christ. Let's come and let's receive.
would you take the bread out and hold it up? Um, just getting emotional thinking about Josh's silly story of showing up to a restaurant and, and then being like, oh, I forgot my wallet, I can't pay. And I've been in that situation, maybe some of you. Uh, but I'm getting emotional thinking about that. Isn't that how we all approach the table of the Lord? We, we Kingdom of heaven is coming before this feast, a table that is set before us, and, and we're just checking our pockets. I didn't, I don't deserve this. I, um, I've come with absolutely nothing, and here is all this food and all this blessing. And that's how I, I think about this moment of approaching the table of the Lord, and He is He is paid for it. He is, it's His body given for us. And so, with that, would you receive the bread with me? Jesus also took a cup and shared it with his disciples and said, would you share this cup with each other? Would you do this in remembrance of me? And so we receive the blessing of, of Jesus' first miracle, the, these containers that were not full of anything of value, being full of tremendous value and blessing and restoration. And so would you drink this cup with me? It's a cup of a new covenant. God, we thank you for these gifts, your bread, your body, this cup, your blood, sacrifice for us. And Lord, we're so in awe of your grace. You, Lord, you're worthy of it all, and we give you all praise and all honor. Lord, you are our joy. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Was you leave from here, um, would you come forward if you would like prayer? The communion team and myself and uh, some other volunteers, you're welcome to come. And if you would like prayer, would you come and just have a conversation about what you would like prayer for? And if it's something that's private, you could just say, hey, would you pray for me? And we will pray for you. We will listen. We will join with you. I know I just, sometimes I hear about a lot of things in this congregation happening and maybe it's health things, maybe it's financial. Come forward for prayer. We would love to agree with you. If you're new to this congregation, we would love to get put you on our email list, tell you more about things going on around here. There's two ways to do that. If you're savvy with your phone, you could do a QR code on the back of the chair, or we have a paper, uh, just a guest card. You can do that as well. And we have a gift for you. It's a year-long devotional that the senior pastor of New Life North wrote. And as a family, we did this last year, and it's great. And we also have a CD of Manitou Springs Worship. So that's worship music that this church has recorded just a few months ago. And if you're new, we would like to give you that CD. So those, uh, that's for you if you're new or newish. If, if you're like, man, I just want the CD, fill out the guest card, get the CD. It's a good deal. Uh, I have a whole bunch more things to announce to you. So just hang tight. We're all just hanging out here for a minute. Uh, this is important stuff. Like we have a great volunteer team. Yeah, I kind of mentioned that during the offering moment that uh our kids ministry would love to have more hands on deck. 
the next generation needs to know the gospel and, and the words of Jesus and to be raised in the, in the church. And so if you would go to our website, click on the serve button. There's a little bit more information about serving and you can be uh, a member of our serve team. There's a background check and there's lots of opportunities other than kids as well to serve. Uh, 633, that's our high school ministry. That's happening this Thursday right here. If you know anyone or you are someone, uh, Wednesday, I said, I, I meant to say Wednesday right here. I guess what time 633 happens. Pop quiz. Yeah, you guessed it. 6.33 p.m. It's based off of Matthew 6.33. You need to look up that verse if you don't know what it is. Our men's group, uh, we're launching on February 8th, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, we're going to have a kids uh, check-in ministry on that particular launch night. So all the men in here, you need to come to that one just to see if you're like, this is something you want to invest your time in. And I'm guaranteeing that you will, because we're going to go over the book of Nehemiah. We're going to go over five principles about what it means to be a godly man. And we're going to outline this year to come. So that's on the 8th of February. That's the men's ministry and the women's ministry. Don't want to leave you guys out. They have a retreat in just two weeks, two nights, uh, February 8th and 9th. There's still room. So go online. That information is online. There's different pay, uh, different price ranges. Uh, we do have uh, financial assistance. If that's something, if you're a woman, you're just like, I-, I need to get away for two nights and, and see what the Lord has has for me to be encouraged. The theme is belong, believe, become. They're going to be looking at some stories in the gospel of John. And so it's our women's ministry retreat. Go online, look at, at that. We would love to have you join us for that retreat. Let me pray a blessing over you. Would you, if you're okay with it, would you just hold open your hands as a symbol that your life is open to whatever the Lord has for you? Lord, would you bless us and keep us Lord, I pray that you'll make your face to shine upon us, that you would, Lord, lift your countenance upon us. Lord, would you give us peace to go out from here, bringing the the countenance that you've given to us, bringing full cups overflowing to the world around us that so desperately needs you and your presence. Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Go in peace.